Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. A quick note before we get started. This episode of The Parting Shot contains very frank discussions of nudity and gender. Nothing too spicy, but listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to Newsweek's Parting Shot, your dose of everything pop culture. I'm H. Allen Scott. I've got a big episode for you today, and I really hope that you'll have a nice little chuckle to yourself when I tell you why. Because today, I'm going to do a deep dive into the renaissance of full frontal male nudity on television these days. The latest show to bear it all, if you will, is HBO's Minx, which is about a young feminist in the 1970s who teams up with a pornographic magazine publisher to create the first ever erotic magazine for women. So on today's episode, I'll chat with Peter Lehman, Emeritus Professor of Film and Media Studies at Arizona State University about what all this male nudity on TV means. I'll also chat with Nate Cernkovich about what it's like to strip down on TV. And then I'll have a chat with one of my favorite people in the world, Minx's Oscar Montoya about the show and what he thinks about all this flesh on display. So go on, grab a snack because you're really gonna need it for this episode. And I will be right back. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I can remember the very first naked man I saw on TV but I can't remember the very first naked woman I saw on TV. I feel like that really illustrates the double standard between men and women when it comes to nudity in Hollywood. And in case you're wondering, that man was Christopher Maloney on the HBO show Oz. And yes, I have since told Christopher Maloney of this fact, and you can read that interview at newsweek.com, but I digress. If you look at TV over the last few years, it does seem like male nudity is everywhere. To be fair, most of it is on HBO, a longtime leader in equality among the sexes when it comes to what they'll show on air. There's Oscar Isaac's big reveal in Scenes from a Marriage. Euphoria has literally shown everything. 
Their Showtime Shameless, the Hulu series Pam and Tommy featured a talking penis. Even Carrie on the Sex and the City reboot and just like that encountered a rogue penis. But it's the show Minx on HBO that really is the talk of the moment. Over the course of the series, there is a parade of penises, some real, some prosthetic. It's the appearance of the latter that has inspired an interesting conversation. Are we actually in a full frontal male nudity renaissance on TV? Or does the use of prosthetic penises somehow continue the double standard between male and female nudity in Hollywood? I spoke with Peter Lehman, emeritus professor of film and media studies at Arizona State University, who thinks that it's a bit of a misnomer to consider this moment we're in a huge advancement in equality. There is no equality here, and I want to come back to that. I call the prosthetic penis a costume because it really, it is not whatever people think about it, and uh, that's obviously going to be a lot of different opinions. It's actually a misnomer to call it male nudity because it's not male nudity. It's a costume of male nudity. And in that sense, it's no different than if an actor is wearing a, a suit in one scene that implies a certain level of success, say economically or something. And then in the next scene, he's wearing the costume of a prosthetic penis, um, just going from one costume about masculinity to another costume about masculinity. As Peter told me, we have to think about seeing naked penises differently than we think about butts or boobs or what have you. Society has conditioned us to associate the penis with manliness and therefore with power. So the choice to show it at all, and then of course the choice of in what context, for how long, and how long the penis even is, all of that is playing off of ideas we already have about masculinity. The penis is strongly connected in uh, many people's minds with the phallus. And the phallus is actually a symbolic thing. The symbolism of the phallus is an extreme sense of power, which is actually imaginary. None of, no one, men or women, <laughs> ever can really um, have that kind of phallic power. But what's happened is because of the way we connect the penis, which is just really an organ, with this powerful symbolic notion within a patriarchal culture, then that explains why there's so much at stake. If the penis is kept hidden, it's easy to retain this awe and mystique, fairly easy. But that's imaginary. The point I always come back to, yeah. is, and this is important, it's that the assumed connection between the penis and the powerful phallus is imaginary. There is no such connection aside from the way we imagine it within the patriarchal culture. So size does matter, but it also doesn't. In any case, as Peter told me, it's important to keep in mind that what you see on screen might just be Hollywood magic. This seems to me to be a step backwards because in 1973, if they said this is a nude male model, it was a nude male model. And now we're being told, look at this, this is daring. We're showing you a penis on television. Here's this guy with this big penis who's the centerfold. But the only problem is, it's not only not a big penis, it's not a penis, it's a costume. <laughs> it's a costume of a penis. The work I'm doing is to try to get people to think about how a lot of what seems to be celebratory as this great advance and exciting moment in which we're living is really more, there's an old cliche, as you well know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. And 
I think that's a lot of this excitement about this moment. There's this whole change for equalizing. We're not equalizing. In many ways, I think we might be going backwards. You can read more about Peter's take in a post he did for the website The Conversation. I'll leave a link to that in the episode show notes. All this talk about nudity and prosthetic penises, I knew that I needed to talk to someone who actually experienced it. In episode 5 of the first season of Minx, there's a photo shoot of a man who is meant to represent the statue of David. That's a tall order for any actor, but Nate Cernkovich certainly fit the bill. He plays Dane, a statuesque man who is endowed with a certain special appendenture. I spoke with Nate about appearing naked on a huge TV show and what it's like to wear one of those prosthetic penises. So I need uh, Minx. Minx is a is 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 sort of a, it's a huge hit, which is great, and it's sort of ushering in this new conversation on sort of male nudity on television and and how we haven't really. I mean, with Euphoria and with Minx, these past few years, there's been a heightened appreciation for the frontal part of, of yeah. male nudity on television, mm-hmm. and it's fascinating to me because there's a lot of conversations about how it's presented and all of the things around it. I wanted, so I was really eager to talk with someone who's actually done it on television. Cause you can talk to a lot of people who have a lot of thoughts about it, but not many people are brave enough to actually do it. So you have actually done it on Minx. And I wanted to know, do you have any, or did you going into it, have any reservations or worry about appearing naked on TV? Honestly, absolutely. I mean, I, there was something that when I actually got cast, um, I, you know, I had a really long conversations with uh, uh, my manager, my agency, um, Ellen Rappaport, the creator of the show, who's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, she took the time to call me after I got cast in it. And then my, my manager kind of reached out and we just wanted a little bit more information about what was this going to entail? You know, how much was going to be you know, me? How much was going to be a prosthetic? How was this going to work? Because we were both very unfamiliar with this. A lot of people are very unfamiliar with this. It's, yeah. it's relatively kind of a new thing that's becoming a little more mainstream with these prosthetics. And um, you know, she was great kind of explaining the process. She linked me with the head makeup artist, Carly, who's also awesome. The whole makeup team is amazing. Um, and, uh, kind of explained it a little bit better, you know, spoke with my, uh, it was a fun conversation with my parents kind of, you know, sure. they're, they're, they're still, they just warmed up to the whole idea of a male pageant. And now I'm going to be like, Oh, by the way, I'm also going to be naked on HBO. So, yeah. uh, but I think just once it was kind of explained, you know, I sort of realized, I mean, this is, that was my first real mainstream production that I'd been a part of cast as an actor. And uh, like, you know, this is an awesome opportunity. The cast is amazing. I really would love to work um, with Paul Feig. Um, yeah. He's great. Producing it. I mean, just all these amazing, you know, uh, cast and uh, production team just attached to it. I'm like, I, this would be, I'd be stupid to pass this up. And you know what, at the end of the day, it's all body parts. You know, I yeah. work in a hospital as a nurse, so I've seen it all. Everyone's got the same parts. You know, yeah. why, why am I even stressing about this? At the, you know, and it's, it's a prosthetic. So, you know, yeah. it's, kind of, it's a little different, but well, uh, that's something that's, that's interesting to me. So, so it was a prosthetic from the beginning. Like that was like a guaranteed going yeah, in yes. to, the, to the scene. Mm-hmm. Would, would it have been different if there was no prosthetic? Would you have reconsidered? I think so. Uh, you know, just being honest, I, it's tough to say, I think it did make give me a little more peace of mind knowing that it wasn't actually, you know, me on, on film, everything else is me. I mean, you, you see, you get a good shot of my backside too, but um, I think just kind of being able to keep, at least in my mind, um, a little bit more discretion almost, you know, just kind of, I think it definitely helped. Um, 
whether I would have turned it down still or not, I, I don't know. I would have had that would have been another long discussion, I suppose. But uh, yeah. I think it did definitely kind of help put me at ease a little bit, especially since this was my first ever time being on camera like that. I think it just made it a little bit, a little bit easier transition. Maybe down the road we'll, we'll reconsider. Definitely know, me being on there, but uh, yeah, I think it did definitely help. Yeah, that and that the prosthetics part. What I think is so fascinating in this sort of conversation of male nudity on television is there. In some arguments, some people are saying that there's, it's a double standard for men. You know, like, sure, there's this new era of male nudity on television, but a lot of the male, some of the male nudity on television is prosthetics. And, and women obviously can't, <laughs> there's no prosthetics really for a woman to hide her nudity on television. Yeah, and I wanted to get your thoughts on that and sort of whether you think that perhaps this is another case of sort of men getting around being fully naked, whereas women, of course, on television or in sure. general have had to. Sure. I, you know, I, I think that does bring up a good point um, as far as whether it's fair or not. I, you know, I, I guess I just don't know. I, I think at least in my case, my character and, um, you know, specifically, you know, when you're, you're talking the male porn industry, they want these characters that are very well endowed. So I think before yeah. you can, when they cast it, they wanted a good actor for the role first and foremost, not worrying about, you know, the size of their, their members. So I think just if you already have it set that you're going to have this very large prosthetic because the character, it calls for having a very large penis, you know, yeah. I think it, it, it does sort of, it's just something that's sort of necessary for the character. Uh -huh. Um, but I do kind of understand the argument where it doesn't seem fair, where women don't have that option and men, they do. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of, I think, you know, the vast majority of the penises you see on the show are actual real penises. I mean, these, these yeah. are guys that are actually showing themselves, you know, in their entirety. Um, so, you know, I guess, I, I don't know. I'm curious to see where it, where it goes from here. Cause I think it's, this yeah. is just sort of the beginning of being more, uh, you know, seeing more full frontal male nudity. I, I'd be curious to see. The other thing that's like relatively new in Hollywood that Minx has been Minx and Euphoria and a lot of other shows that have had had a lot of intimate scenes in, in the shows um, had they had an intimacy coordinator, which is something that is is sort of it. I didn't it didn't just come out of the Me Too movement, but it was definitely became more of a staple in Hollywood productions because of the Me Too movement. And I wanted to know what it was like to work with an intimacy coordinator and and getting you prepared to be naked on set for a large part of a day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. And they're, they're present, the intimacy coordinator, the, they're present pretty much throughout the entirety of any time that I'm on set. It's always anytime there's going to be any kind of nudity, it's always a closed set. Um, only people that are, you know, immediately uh, necessary for shooting, you know, your camera, your sound, your the producers, anybody that they don't have any extra people walking around. They very much try to limit how many people are there to see you naked. Um, you know, things like, you know, personal cell phones and this and that are obviously, I mean, kind of on any set that's, that's very restricted, but especially in the case of nudity. Um, and then the intimacy coordinator is there. It's pretty much you, you'd shoot, they limit how much time that I'm, I'm naked. I mean, basically just when the, the cameras are rolling, it's a hot set. Are they going to be actually filming me naked? And then otherwise I'm, they immediately are out. As soon as we cut, they come out, they have a robe ready for you. They cover you up. They make sure that you're, you know, and they discuss things with you. Are you okay with this? Are you comfortable with this? And kind of going into the, shooting you know we had that discussion with alan and things like that and i wouldn't have agreed to the part if i wasn't okay with nudity but they're very good about making sure that you're comfortable um everyone on set is you know very respectful of the fact that you are you know in the nude and uh kind of making sure that they're limiting how much time you're not just walking around naked on set they, they, they try to kind of control how long that you're actually um 
you know, visible like that. That's great. And what, I mean, I have a friend who, who works in sort of pro, like prosthetics. They, they make a lot of costume stuff. Right. And uh, I'm obsessed with talking about how these things work and how he creates these things, but I've never talked with someone who actually wore the things that he creates. And so I wanted to know what it was like to get put into the prosthetic. Oh, man. And like, it's a process. Yeah. It explain process. that. Explain that. <laughs> I mean, I would have to show up first off. I mean, my, in, in the show, my hair is curly. That's not a wig. That's actually my hair. I'd have to show up at 5 a.m. was my call time. I'd be on set for the days I was shooting and uh, they would individually curl strands of my hair. Give me that pin curl look. Wow. Once I was done with that, that was the short part of my, you know, getting ready for, for shooting. Um, after I was done with that, after about like an hour or so, however long that took, then I was with the makeup department with uh, Carla and Sue, specifically Carla Herbert. She was the, the head of the makeup department. Um, and again, they were awesome. I mean, they're just very good about making it. And it's obviously it's kind of an awkward situation because you have to get fully nude in front of them. I mean, you're yeah. in, in the makeup trailer kind of in the back and um, you're and it's, it's a, it takes a while. I mean, you're, you're standing there pretty naked for a good, I want to say it was an hour, hour and a half to, to wow. that put it on. Um, and they got to like kind of, you know, they have to make it match your skin tone. They have to make sure it's sticking in place. It's, they have to, you know, move your bits out of the way and kind of, you know, tape it the way they need to tape it. And I mean, it's, you have to be, um, it's kind of an awkward situation, obviously, but they made it so easy, so comfortable. I mean, you know, it was, um, at no point did I feel, uh, like I was, it was like an uncomfortable situation because they yeah. were so great about it. And they'd done it, you know, a few times at that point with Minks. Um, yeah. so, uh, but it is, it, it does take a long time. I mean, you know, just having to account for kind of moving yourself out of the way and then you got to tape yeah. it in place and you got to match the skin tone and then all the artificial, uh, the artificial uh, pubic hair. Yeah. <laughs> they, well, that takes a long time. So yeah. it, it is a process. I'm probably going to ask the thing that every person listening right now is wondering after you said what you just said. Uh, and so I just have to just, just as a, as a, as a journalist for the people, that's fair. What happens? What do you do with your actual anatomy? And yeah. like, what yeah. does it, is it, is it a, sitting on top or is it <laughs> like, <laughs> technically there's like, I think there's different ways to do it. There is like a hole in the prosthetic where you technically oh, interesting, but it was, it's a, it's a, it's a tiny hole. Not I'm not trying to like anyway, hype myself, but it is a very <laughs> small hole and there was okay. no way that was happening. So, you got to kind of, I mean, you basically tuck. And I think actually sort of the, the uh, guidelines they, we, we use are how, um, uh, how uh, I want to say like drag queens do it, where yeah. they actually, like there's a specific way they kind of tuck. They have like this special tape they use that kind of keeps it in place. Yeah. Um, you kind of, yeah, you just have to it's essentially, you know, for lack of a better term, you tuck it. And um, from there, they can put the prosthetic in place. And it's just a lot of tape, a lot of glue, um, and just to kind of keep your bits out of the way. Wow. And how long would you have to be in the actual prosthetic? Long bed? time, long time. That was the other issue was going to the bathroom. So, I mean, I specifically would avoid even drinking a lot of water while I was on set just because I knew if I had to go to the bathroom, it is kind of a play because they kind of have to un untape you, unglue a little bit. You got to go to the bathroom. I mean, it's just, it's, it's difficult. So, I mean, pretty much the entire time that I was on set, I would be in that, in that prosthetic. So, which I think the first day that we filmed that I was there was, I was damn near a 15, 16 hour day, something like that. Oh. And the majority of it, I was in that prosthetic. So, I mean, it is, um, which again, you know, Carly and everybody and the intimacy coordinators and um, they're, they're all awesome about kind of working with you. And, you know, if I feel the bathroom, they'll kind of do what they got to do. But um, 
I definitely limited how much water I drank those days just to avoid. (laughs) Well, I mean, now every time you see a drag queen, you can really just relate and have some empathy. Yeah, exactly. It is. It's not the most, I will tell you right now, it is very uncomfortable. It is not the greatest, greatest feeling. After that much time, you almost wish it would have just been you on camera. <laughs> yeah, 100%. That's true. Yeah. I guess yeah. prosthetic was worth it at that point. Definitely. Next, I'll speak with Oscar Montoya, who plays Richie on Minx, right after this break. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. If you're on a show about a feminist creating an erotic magazine for women, there needs to be a photographer taking all of those pictures. That's where Oscar Montoya's character on Minx, Richie, comes in. But what makes Montoya's performance so interesting is how he approaches playing Richie. The character is gay in the 1970s, liberated but still very much not free. And we as the audience get to see Richie celebrate not only his artistic vision and vast appreciation of the male body, but we also get to see a queer character recognize their own sexual worth in a way that sometimes is overlooked in period TV shows. I spoke with Montoya about Minx, his character, and what he thinks about all this nudity on display. Dear Richie, noticed your work in Minx. Let's chat. I am so glad someone is finally getting the recognition they deserve around here. Whenever it happens for me and I become famous, I promise we'll still be friends. Richie got his start at Bottom Dollar being a makeup artist. Then when Mink showed up, he became the photographer for the magazine. Throughout the series, he is realizing that he's a true artist. Short fatty. That's a fun combo. It's really fun to play a character going through that self-aware phase. He's bigger than he gave himself credit for. Can't you just use a different lens or something? That's not how photography works. The journey of Richie finding his superpower and his voice is a magical experience. Oscar Montoya. So it just, I what I love about moments like this is that I can be obsessed with a show and want to talk about it and like get people talking about it. But then I can also be like, I just happen to be good friends with someone on this show that everyone should be talking about. I love the world we live in. Oscar Montoya, hello. What a fun little world we live in. I, uh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I, I, what a treat. What a dang delight. <laughs> I'm so excited. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I always I always feel like I should be like, full disclosure, we are friends. So like we are the friends. conversation is going to be relaxed and loose. <laughs> but it's also about a show that like, I'm genuinely, even if you weren't on it, I love that you are on it, but even if you weren't on it, I would be interested in this show because it is such a good show. How huge is it for you that this show is happening right now? 
It's so wild because there truly is no other show like Minx right now. I mean, I don't think there's a show that ever has existed before that was like Minx. Uh, yeah. it, it's so what I what I love about the show is that it takes place in 1972. Mm-hmm. And yet there are themes that resonate strong today. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Totally. Uh, it, it's there's so many layers to how brilliant the show is, mainly because of the pressing issues that still hold true today. I mean, how far have we advanced as a yeah. culture? Talking about inequality, marginalized communities, mm. different sexuality, mm. freedoms within sex, like all those mm. things are still things mm. that we're still talking about. Absolutely. But another really cool thing that's happening, which I really wasn't counting on, was the show itself is serving as a real life metaphor for for the sh- the magazine in the show, if that yes. makes any sense. Yes. Like the magazine that, is doing that. the same thing that the show is doing in real life. Okay. So like, what do you think the nudity within Minx and this moment of sort of the, the, the peen renaissance, if you will, that right. we're having on television right now, what do you think this means for equality and nudity in Hollywood? Well, I think the fact that people are, losing their minds at the amount of full frontal that we're showing on Minx says a lot to where how we are as a society right now. We are on the upswing of sort of showing it all, uh, but we're not fully there yet, are we? I mean, like, this shouldn't be... The show is about the first erotic magazine for women. Mm -hmm. We're gonna show Peen. It's not like a sensationalist thing at all. And yet people are like sensationalized by it. And I'm like, oh my God, we still... are stuck in these 70s values. It's so bizarre. But also what's cool about it is the amount, not just the amount of dick, but the amount of dick diversity that is happening on the show. I mean, the very first episode in the pilot, you see the quote unquote, the infamous dick montage, right? Which iconic, right? It was an iconic moment. Yes. Super iconic. And in it, you see all kinds of penises being showcased and, when and, you and they're not sexual. Like, yeah, they're not sexual. It's, it's race, it's size, it's you're, you're right. talking the spectrum of, of exactly, people. exactly, exactly. Yeah. Which is something so, that you don't see a lot. No, you don't see a lot at all. And it is a bit jarring to be like when I first saw it, I was like, oh my God, that's a lot of peen coming at you <laughs> real quick. But what I love about that is that they're like, okay. Obviously, if you're talking about minx, you're going to be talking about peen. Let's yes. get all that penis out of the way right now. So then you can be normalized and yeah. then you can really get into the story, which is about these group of ragtag people trying yeah. to make a magazine happen. You yeah. know what I mean? And yeah. that's the magic of the show. I totally. Think. Fully. I, I, I fully agree. And it is you're right. It is drawing to see that mainly because the, the shots of the penis were so close up that it was. It was there was a moment where I was like, I don't think I've even okay, I don't that's close. But I was thinking about it and I was trying to think like I can distinctly remember the first naked male I saw on television, but I cannot remember the first female I saw on television, which I think really shows the inequality in Hollywood because my I mean it's Christopher Maloney. He started it all for me. It was all on it was everything, you know what I mean? And I have been able to tell Christopher Maloney that he was my first and it, it was in an interview and I love that he loved that for me. Um, he, didn't, <laughs> he didn't necessarily love it for himself, but he loved it for me, which I. Yeah. I, yeah. I, he's, he's glad that he was able to provide that for you. But I mean, do you, did you have, do you have a similar sort of, I mean, cause we're both similar and also just growing up, at least for me, gay in the Midwest, there was mm-hmm. no access to any sort of 
that part of sexuality for me. It just didn't exist in any capacity. It was straight sexuality that existed. And so yeah. to see that was mind blowing. Absolutely. I mean, I was born in Colombia, in South America, and over there, um, the body is so normalized, but it's only the female body. I do remember watching soap commercials yeah. and they had like full on boobs out, women just bathing, showering with their shampoo, just like tits out. And that was so normal for us. Like we were just like, OK, never have I seen a penis on television. Never have I seen um, the man's anything. Yeah. And I remember watching Forrest Gump. Oh, and this is a blink it and you'll miss moment. But for me, it was the only thing I remember from that movie. Wow. There's a scene where I girl, I can't even tell you what the hell happened in the, the dang <laughs> scene. But Tom Hanks comes out of the shower. In oh, a I towel, remember. I remember that. But scene. you could see his pubic hair. And for me, you could see just like a little trace of the pubes. Yeah. And I was just like floored that they would show that. Yeah. And it's has stuck. That was like my first inkling of what the male adult male body looked like. And I was just like, so floored that I was able to see that. Meanwhile, I I've seen species. Yeah. I've seen so many movies where, I mean, I love horror movies. So like, obviously a lot of female <laughs> a women's body is just yeah. like there, you yeah. know? So, but a male's body, I just never, ever, ever was exposed to. Yeah. I find that fascinating. And it's mm -hmm. like, it's the other thing that I thought was really interesting about Minx this season is intimacy coordinators and how, yes. it, you know, the intimacy coordinators kind of, they've always been sort of around in some capacity, but the Me Too movement really brought them about. I, what was it like? I mean, because you, I, I, there, of course, there are new episodes coming, so I don't know where your story goes, but did you work with an intimacy coordinator in any scenes where you were with other actors who might be nude? And what was that like? Anybody that was naked on the show, and I'm talking about men and women on the show, um, there was an intimacy coordinator at, on hand and they were Kate. Her name is Katie. Uh, she was fantastic. Super on top of it. Um, she, I, I'll tell you this, the very first scene that you see me on the show in the pilot, I'm rouging a woman's nipples. Right. <laughs> uh, and you know, she's like, she's full out. Her it's, the most out normal, it's like, it's like lunchtime in the office for you. It's exactly. It's yes. Yeah. And like I, my character is a makeup yeah. artist and like obviously does that. But there was an intimacy coordinator just straight up watching me talking to uh, like, she's like, okay, this is how you do it. Uh, this is not how you do it. She, she was just like super on top of it. And it was amazing. It made everyone feel very comfortable. That's, wonderful. you know, um, so yeah, like shout out to the intimacy coordinators because they are, I think they're heroes, honestly. Yeah, I mean, it's needed because you're in such a vulnerable position, both for the person Absolutely. doing it, but also for the other people involved in the scene. It's it's awkward sometimes. And it's nice to, I guess, Absolutely. have that. And, you know, I think like, you know, you might go in being like, OK, I'm like a sexually liberated person. I'm like totally fine. with, But you never know. There might be something that might trigger you on set like you don't yes. even know. Exactly. And that's why they're so good. They're so great to be on set because they are there to take care of you. They're there yeah. to take care of you and the scene and they're trying to make the scene work no matter what. So it's, not a, it's all about being comfortable yeah. because if you're not comfortable being naked on screen, it just, it's, it's not a cute look. <laughs> it's going to read. It's going to read. It will read. To read. The and, and, and it's I a different thing and we don't want that. It's yeah, yeah definitely. So I have, I'm going to put on my series journalist hat because I have a hot Ooh. topic for you, Oscar. Um, not really, but it's <laughs> it's something that I find very interesting in this conversation about Minx and other shows, too. 
Mm-hmm. So with with sort of the renaissance of male nudity on television, there is an argument being made by some that the use of prosthetics, which Minx does use in some scenes, some actors have prosthetics right. and, and other shows, Euphoria and other shows have very famously used prosthetics as well. And some are arguing that while it is the presence of real or fake penis, the presence is an advancement in the equality of nudity. There still is a sense that cisgendered male actors have an ability to sort of cover up that women, cisgendered female actors often don't have with Mm -hmm. the use of prosthetics. I wanted to get your thoughts on sort of what you think about that, like with, with prosthetics, is it sort of sometimes if when it's not a part of the story, is it sometimes a, I don't know, a cop out for, or you could use another word there, but is it, is it, is it, (laughs) I had to, I had to like, but is it sort of like a cop out in a way that's allowing the male actor to do something that the female actor can't do? Well, you know, it it goes back to the question of vulnerability, right. And about being comfortable. Mm. Um, There are times where, I mean, the the men who wear and I'm gonna tell you this, there really isn't yeah. the prosthetic to natural penis ratio. There's <laughs> a lot more natural penis than there are prosthetics on the show. Yeah. Um, you know, as an actor, sometimes your performance might be affected by, you know, like just letting it all hang out. So sometimes that's a comfortability issue when you want to just get the right performance and not feel self-conscious about like exposing your member to the masses. Um, And, you know, ultimately it's all about the uh, performance, I think. And also it's just like, whether or not you're wearing a prosthesis, does it actually matter in the long run? I mean, you know, you're seeing peen (laughs) regardless, you know, I, I think, I mean, I, I do think that it's very funny that a pros- the prosthetics have been very complimentary. Yes. You know, you're not seeing a micropene prosthetic on yeah. the cisgendered yeah. male actors. It, well, and that's and that's something that I think I, I spoke with a professor about that, about how there is this. I mean, there is in our culture an obsessive sort of compulsion yeah. of the size of the penis being long. Absolutely. And often with a prosthetic, it shows how long the penis can be when it's not naturally that long. And mm-hmm. And, and sort of it sort of reestablishes that power role and it mystifies the penis in a way that, you know, the female body is often not taken in that direction. And I think that's sort of sometimes the argument people make, which I think is interesting. You know, it's it's so bizarre, like because it is still peen, too. It's still peen. It's still peen. Yeah. Um, but I'm just like, like the how silly, yeah. how silly that we live in a in a society where people like measure their penises and then compare and contrast and it's like mine is larger so therefore i have more clout and i don't know this idea of like big big dick energy is so silly to me like and that we ever gave that power that we ever we get exactly we gave gave it power and by Mm -hmm. covering up the penis in film for and tv for the years that we have We've given it yeah. more power in a way by Absolutely. keeping it hidden, that it's a secret somehow, that it, it's meant to be hidden. And it's gotten more power, I think, through that. And by shows like Minx showing it either in real form or, or a prosthetic form, it's still yeah. show, it's still equalizing, I think, the playing field in a lot of ways. I think I have seen more penises on the first episode of Minx that I have truly seen in my entire life. Yeah. Um, and now it's so, in a, you know, not to sound corny or anything, but working on this show, like made me get over this weird complex I have with my body. Interesting. And just like, 
it really did. Like I, I, it's, it's just a little fleshy part yeah. at the end of a, you know, like, yeah. I, but you're right. Like people give it so much power and for what, for what, why? Exactly. Yeah. No, that's a wonderful thing though, that it can, by seeing it and normalizing it, it kind of can make you feel okay about yourself in a lot of ways. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. What I love about your character and how, how your character is written is that it's similar to, I think you, and what you just said about sort of getting to a point where you feel comfortable in your body, your character, Richie also is sort of on a journey in a lot of ways. And, and it's so compelling too, because in period pieces, we often don't see a, a, a gay character of color with agency, with, with mm-hmm. a storyline with that goes and grows in different directions. And Richie <laughs> is good. Yeah, again, I, see what you did there. I know I can't, I can't help it. I didn't even mean that one. Um, <laughs> But that grows in in ways that like is really refreshing to see on television. And he's allowed to be sexual and be artistic. And he starts off as a makeup artist and then he goes into being a photographer because, of course, you know, the gay man's going to know how to photograph a naked man. So, like, absolutely, it makes sense. But how what was what's something that stood out to you about playing Richie? I had, I mean, this is a shout out to Ellen Rappaport, the the creator of Minx. And also specifically, I want to give a shout out to Mason Flink, who is a writer on Minx, who has taken care of Richie so much. Mm. He's responsible for writing episode seven, which is where Richie goes to this like artist, gay artist party. Um, And. And just the amount of care he's given to Richie and love. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm just so blessed to be on this show. But it's interesting that Richie, like you said, is a character unfazed by all of that, by yeah. un- unfazed by, you see the most uh, hottest men that he photographs and he like, he's fine. He's like, whatever, this is, yeah. I'm just as hot as these people, you know, like, and I love that, I mean, me as Oscar, the actor, isn't like a chiseled six foot four, you know what I mean? Like yeah. a t- stereotypical hot man, yeah. but Richie, the character still has that sense of, I got it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like in my own way. And that's wonderful. I'm, I'm just as good as these men that I'm taking a picture of, you know? Yeah. So, and he still gets his, you know what I mean? He got, he got, he <laughs> yeah. got his in episode six, you know yes. what I mean? So it, um, it's just, it's really fascinating. And also there's something about the POC characters on the show, mm-hmm. like Tina played mm-hmm. deliciously by Adara Victor mm-hmm. and Richie hold power in bottom dollar productions, you know? And this is a time where people of color were not giving these opportunities. Like Richie was not. That's the magazine, Richie's, the publisher that uh, the show. Yes. Yes. Around. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like Richie found an opening and got right in there. Mm. <laughs> <Pun intended. laughs> uh, and. And that's an amazing thing to portray in this show. Like, I just am so freaking lucky that's, to play this yeah. character. The other thing that I thought was really sort of interesting about Richie and sort of the Richie storyline is that, you know, there's oftentimes depicted, especially when it's a case of any sort of male nudity on, on film or male sexuality on film. If a, if a queer person, gay man specifically, is involved in that scene, there's often a, a gay panic. There's, there's a moment yes. of this great guy going... I don't want the gay guy to see me or I'm, I'm afraid of what's going to happen in the locker room or whatever it is. And in right. Minx, 
you certainly don't have that. You know, I'm thinking of the episode where you you were photographing sort of the David-esque model, the mm-hmm. you know, Nate's character. Um, uh, yeah. And, and, and sort of how it was just sort of a respect between the two and there was none of that gay panic. And I wonder if that stood out to you as something that the sort of normalization of gay male, straight man friendships and the fluidity of sort of the body in a, in a non-sexual way, but sometimes even in a sexual way and being okay with that. Absolutely. I mean, how many times have we seen that storyline in yeah. the media of like the automatic given was, is a gay man is a threat to cishet society. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, and this show doesn't do that because the show is not tired that way. You know what I mean? Like, how boring how rote would it be to go into the same storyline of a gay man is picturing you and listen the other really interesting thing that i love about this show is that this is a magazine for women Mm -hmm. but the gaze is through a gay man Mm -hmm. and it's not seedy it's not predatory it's artistic it's classy it's elegant do you know what i mean and that is the biggest power i mean like what a message that is. Love that. I love that. You know? Yeah. That's really wonderful. Well, so my last question for you is there's only, I mean, this, the, with this airing, like there's only a few more episodes I think left in the season. What can we expect from the rest of the season? And hopefully there'll be a second, second season. Someone call HBO. Get HBO on the phone. Right. Quick on my telephone. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Big things, big things will happen. Things that you will not expect to happen will happen. I hope big things There's will so happen. There's so many. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help. You are on a roll. I can't. I'm like, you can't help so yourself. I can't help you it. cannot help yourself. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, I love it. Um, <laughs> it's the finale is going to take you places where you never expected. And when I tell you, that the finale will resonate with things happening in this current present day. Hmm. Y'all ain't ready. Y'all ain't ready. Uh, well, I I mean, I I don't think I'm going to be ready, but I feel like I am ready right now for it. I want it <laughs> right now. Oscar <laughs> Montoya, thank you so much for doing oh this. I really gosh, appreciate your dream. it. Oh, you. You're a dream. Thank you. See now, I told you this was going to be a big episode. (laughs) You should definitely go watch Minx, and not just because Oscar Montoya is one of my favorite people in the world. I also want to thank Peter Lehman for his fascinating insights, and of course, Nate Cernkovich for opening up about what it's like to be so exposed on an HBO show. I mean, it was really nice of him to come on and talk about that. On the next parting shot, I'll chat with Lisa Simpson. Well, not really, but kind of, sort of. I'll be talking with Yardley Smith about her hit true crime podcast, Small Town Dicks, which is a fitting title for this episode of The Parting Shot. And of course, we'll talk about The Simpsons, because we have to. And thanks for listening to Newsweek's Parting Shot. If you liked what you just heard, and I really hoped you did, because this was kind of an episode that made me blush, please leave a little rating and review and share it on social media. You can also follow me at H. Allen Scott on everything. And please tag me in your replies and your comments. I want to hear from you. For more on the latest news and podcasts, head to Newsweek.com and follow Newsweek on all social platforms. Until then, watch something fun and have a great day. 